Well, this morning, I want to share a story with you. We're in this series on encouragement. I just want to share with you a formative story in my life. Uh, I've shared parts of it here and there before, and some people know the story, some people don't know the story. But one of the formative experiences in my life was actually when I was in college. And my second year of college, I was at the University of Maryland, and I was... Uh, had a girlfriend, had a group of friends from our dorm, and at that point in my life, I wasn't on a road to ministry. I wasn't uh, feeling a call to ministry at that time, and so I was out partying with my friends one night. We went out to the bar, local bar, college bar, and got in there, and there's, if you can imagine, an atmosphere, loud music, loud 80s music, uh, the smell of uh, drinks in the air, smoke in the air. That was back when you could smoke in a restaurant and a bar, and uh, just uh, wall-to-wall people, shoulder-to-shoulder, college students that packed into this bar. And my friends and my girlfriend and I, we went down the bar, and it was my turn to buy everybody the first round of drinks. And so I saddled up to the bar to get drinks for everybody, and then they had left. They got their drinks, and they left and went out different parts of the bar. And I was standing by the bar alone and waiting for the bartender to come back so that I could pay the bartender. Again, this wasn't a credit card day. This was cash day, so I was waiting to pay for everybody. And so in that moment, I was surrounded by people, and in this crowd, and in the noise, And it's interesting that it's in that moment that God spoke to me and God whispered to my, it was like God's spirit was speaking to my spirit. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was just spirit to spirit. And God said to me, Matt, you don't belong here. You belong to me. And in that moment, I said yes to God. And in that moment, I walked out of the bar that night and I never went back. And so I left that scene and I left that that those behaviors behind, and I went back to my dorm, and I didn't even know what to say to my friends when they came back. They were like, you know, what happened to you? Where'd you go? I was like, I just needed to leave. I couldn't explain it to them. I couldn't explain what God was doing. I just knew that this couldn't continue to be a part of my life. So fast forward a little bit, and that later that week, I decided, you know, I need to get involved in a Christian ministry. I need to go and share uh, with another Christian, what's been going on? I knew that confession is good for the soul, they say. And so I went to a staff member of a Christian group on campus, a Christian group that had been welcoming me, uh, encouraging me, trying to welcome me into their community. And so I went to the staff member and I shared them what uh, my experience and I shared to them what I've been doing. And, and I remember f- feeling just the response of, oh my, you know, like I don't know what to do with this. And So that staff member handed me off to another staff member. I talked to that staff member about it. And this community that that was at at first at all welcoming and encouraging me now stopped being welcoming, stopped being encouraging. And I felt like I was being put at arm's length because of my choices of being in bars and drinking and girlfriends and all those things. And so uh, even though I was confessing, even though God was doing something in my life, this Christian community didn't know what to do with me. I didn't fit in their their box of holiness or their box of, of piety, and they didn't know how to handle that, and I get that now. But at the moment, what was happening was I was feeling like, hey, I can't be myself around these people. I can't be honest. I can't really confess to these people because they're going to say, you're not good enough, right? And that's what I felt like. I wasn't good enough. And so I think about that, and that was a formative experience for me. And I think at times we in the church can say that. We can communicate that to people, that they're not good enough because of what's going on. But I had a friend of mine uh, say to me once, and I thought it was a great thing, it stuck with me. He said, you know, what was scandalous to them was not scandalous to God. Think about it. God met you in a bar, Matt. I think that's a wonderful picture, that God, that bar was not a hindrance to God. That, That was not a place that God couldn't go. God could meet me in a bar, even though these people would never step foot in a bar. Think about it. 
So God would go where they weren't willing to go, which is a great reminder of Jesus and the Pharisees. Jesus was willing to go and be with people that the Pharisees weren't willing to go and be with. And I think that's important for us to keep in mind as we think about encouragement, because what we want to encourage in people is their relationship with God. That wherever God would go, wherever God will meet people, that we too need to encourage and meet people where God is working in their lives. So I want you to I want to unpack that with you today. And I'm not saying that there's not a place to speak truth in love. There is a place to speak truth in love. There is a place to hold people accountable. There is a place to uh, share with people and teach people. I don't think there's a place, though, for criticism and shame in the church. And so I want you to think about that as we talk about what it looks like to encourage each other today. So we're going to jump in today into a text, a letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians uh, in the church in Thessalonica. And, uh, and we're going to read there together. And I want you to key in. Now, what's happening here in this text is that in this time period, they're thinking about the last days, the, the, the return of Jesus. And uh, Jesus is not coming back, but, and so they're talking, Paul's talking to them about what it's going to be like when Jesus does return and come back. So we're in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, I'm reading out of the New International Version or NIV Version. You can read whatever version you want today. That's what's going to be available for you. You can pull out your own Bible or just read along with us on the screen. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. I think about how uh, people have been rushing to predict uh, this crisis, COVID-19 crisis. That's our role to go around predicting the end times. But what I love about this passage reminds us, this is a labor pain we're in. This is a reminder that we live in a broken world. And the consistent message throughout Scripture is, are you awake? Are you sober? Are you ready? Right? This is just a reminder of the brokenness of our world, and that one day Jesus is going to come back and the brokenness is going to be healed in our world. And we long for that day as Christians when God will heal our world. For right now, we're in a broken world, and this is a labor pain. The question, though, consistently is always, are you ready? Are you awake? Or are you going into crisis mode? Are you going into panic mode? You know, like everybody did, rushing to buy toilet paper and stock supplies. We thought the end of the world was coming, and so we panicked. We went into crisis mode, whereas really... The, the moment here is to say, be ready for when Christ returns. Be ready. And what are you going to be found doing and involved in when Christ does return? Here, Paul talks about faith, love, and hope. That's where God wants to find us. And that's what God wants to find in our hearts whenever that day comes. And I hope that God's find, you're finding that in your heart today as well. So as we think about this, though, 
we look at this one, I want to pull, pull out just this one verse to look at today, uh, and that is this one, that last verse, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I want you to think about that verse today because that's what I want to talk about in encouraging others, that we're supposed to be encouraging one another and building each other up. Literally, this means in both of those, in that verse, it means to help somebody to stand up, stand up in their faith, stand up in God's love, to be able to stand on their own two feet and to encourage and build them up is to help them to stand. It's like if I were walking down the street and someone next to me tripped and fell down, I would immediately stop what I'm doing and I would reach down to help them back up onto their feet. That's what it looks like to encourage and build up, is to pull that person up to help them to stand up on their own. And I think about, you know, a time when I was skiing in the Colorado Rockies with a friend, uh, with my dad's friend. We had four of us skiing. And uh, we were skiing a beautiful day, a beautiful sunny day like today, but it was deep, knee-deep powder, fresh powder the night before. And we decided to ski, uh, glade ski, and get into the pine trees, go off a little trail a little bit, just get some fresh powder. And we were skiing through the powder and one of the things you have to be aware of when you're skiing deep powder and then uh, after over time snow builds up around trees, but around the base of the tree, the snow doesn't build up because of the branches of the tree stop the snow from going around the base. And so what you end up with is something called a tree well. And this is around the base of every tree on a snow-covered mountain is there's a well there. And you can actually fall under these trees and fall into these wells and go into this deep snow. So we're skiing and making our way down through, this, through the trees, enjoying the powder, enjoying the beauty of the day. And all of a sudden we stop and we rest and we realize my dad's friend's gone. He's not with us anymore. Like, where did he go? We were like wondering what happened to him. And so we're looking around. We're thinking, is he coming? Is he, did he get ahead of us? What, what's going on? And then my dad, out of the corner of his eye, caught a ski pole sticking up at the base of one of these pine trees in the branches, wiggling the branches around. A ski pole was wiggling around. And, I, and he goes, I think we found him. And so we got over there to where he was, and he had fallen into one of these tree wells. He was down, upside down, in the tree well. And so we uh, fortunately got our skis off, we dug him out, and then we grabbed his ski pole and really pulled him up out of that well. I think about that as an illustration of encouraging and building people up, that when they fall, when they struggle, when they trip up, we're actually supposed to go over to them and help them out of that place. Notice we didn't jump in the well with them because that would have been, then we're both stuck. But what we're doing is we're actually grabbing their ski pole, grabbing their hand and pulling them out of that place, that pit, that place of struggle that they're in, that they've fallen into. And I think that's what it means to encourage and build each other up in the faith. That when we fall, when we struggle, we're not supposed to put people at arm's length. We're not supposed to shame people or make them feel bad. But we're to say, God's working in your life. If you're confessing, if, you're, if God's speaking in your life, we want to nurture that. We want to encourage that. We want to we encourage you in your faith and in your relationship with God. And so we want to help pull you out of that place and encourage you. And so I think that's, the, that's what Paul's talking about here in the scripture. You know, and I think there's enough happening in this world today uh, to really, there are lots of tree wells, different places we can stumble and get tripped up and fall into. And we need other people. We need, that's what the faith community is so important for. And that's what's such a hard thing to do when we're in quarantine is we really do need each other. And we need each other to come alongside each other and encourage one another. And the things that Paul says that you and I are supposed to be encouraging each other in, he points out three things, faith, love, and hope, the hope of our salvation. So think about that. When, when we're encouraging each other, we're actually supposed to be encouraging people 
and in, encouraging them not to give up. Like, have faith. You know, don't give up on God. God's not giving up on you. Continue to stand firm. That's what we're supposed to do. Help them to stand firm in their faith and then to stay strong in their faith. So we want to encourage them in their faith. We also want to remind people that they're loved by God, that no matter what they've done, no matter what they're struggling with, God still loves them. God is not giving up on them. And that we love them too. We've got to remind people that they're loved by God. They're loved by us. We're not giving up on them either. Either We're not going to push them away either. And then the other thing is the hope, right? The reminder that our hope of our eternal destiny in Jesus Christ is secure. Jesus has secured our salvation. His death, his resurrection secured that. That's not going away. We can place our hope in Christ. And we need reminders of that. And we're supposed to be reminding each other and encouraging each other in faith and love and hope. And in another place, Paul says faith, hope, and love, right? That's how we remember it. Same thing here. So think about that. Now, here's the other thing to maybe point out and to remind us of as well. Sometimes, you and I forget that our faith, our hope, and our love that God has for us. And when we get to that place, it sometimes means that we get out of touch with being encouragers and we become more critical people. And I've been around long enough to know that all of us, including myself, we can fall into these places of criticism and being critical and negative towards what other people are doing or going through. And so we become very opinionated. Uh, or critical, or, crit- or offer criticism. And I really don't think, as I said before, I don't think there's place for criticism in the faith community. I think there's places for speaking the truth in love, for coming alongside people, for accountability, yes. But criticism, no. Constructive feedback, maybe, depending on how you handle it. But really, criticism and being critical is, is really not part of the faith community or what we're called to be. And I think about that, part of the reason we fall into that mode, which we all are tempted to do and we all struggle with, myself included, is this. I found this quote from E. Stanley Jones. He says, I find that I am loving to the degree I'm in touch with Christ and critical to the degree that I'm not in touch. And I love that, that maybe what I hap- is happening in me, in my criticism and being critical, is I've forgotten how much God loves me. I've forgotten my own faith. And to get, to get reacquainted with how I am loved unconditionally by God can help me love others unconditionally. So I want to give you some questions this morning, not just for discussion, but for you to reflect on, for you to ponder. Group leaders who are meeting classes, you could take these questions, adapt them to your group setting. But these are really questions for us as individuals to ponder, reflect on, and hopefully groups can use them as discussion questions today, or you can discuss them at your lunch table today or your dinner table tonight with your family. So here are the questions to think about, when, especially this is for when you're feeling critical or about to be critical of someone else. Think about it this way. Number one, is this about me or about them? Have I lost touch with God's love, right? That's question number two. Am I feeling loved by God? So really, we have to determine and discern whether this is about me or about the other person. Because sometimes my criticism really just about me. Maybe I'm jealous. Maybe I'm feeling neglected. Maybe I need encouragement. And so, but I'm taking out my critical spirit and my negativity and my discouragement or disappointment on someone else. So I have to think about who's this really about. Number three, put yourself in their shoes. That's what empathy does. What do they need to grow in their faith? What would help them take the next step in their faith? And how could I encourage them in their faith? And if they're struggling with something or they're tempted by something or there's a behavior that needs to be addressed, how can I help them grow and encourage them to a better place? Number four, how could you help them stand up in faith, in love, 
and or hope, or all three, right? So remember, encouragement and building each other is going to a person and helping them to stand up. And then number five, how can I pray for them? And I think before we're ever going to go address something with someone, we should pray about it. We should pray about what God wants us to say, whether this is the Holy Spirit or just my spirit of criticism coming out, and really, am I doing this in love for that person, or am I just wanting to get stuff off my chest? And I think we have to weigh in on that as, as faith community. So think about those questions for yourself and your groups. I wanted to leave you with an illustration that kind of would help you and I remind ourselves that we're to be encouragers and encouraging each other. So uh, one of the things I remember from the news, and you may remember this, is quite a while ago, but at Point Barrow, Alaska, there were three gray whales that got trapped in the ice. And what the whales had done is they had kept knocking the ice, and they had made a hole in the ice by bumping in and breaking the ice. They were bloody and bruised from making their own blowhole to get oxygen. And they had made this hole in the ice, and researchers actually found these three whales uh, caught in the ice, and they decided to do something about it. They decided that they were going to help these three gray whales get to free open ocean. So what they did was they looked out about 20 yards towards the open ocean, and they cut in the ice another place for the whales to emerge and get breath. And then they coaxed the whales 20 yards to that next place of open ice. Then what they did is they did it again. They looked out another 20 yards. They cut another hole in the ice. They coaxed the whales to that. They did this for five miles. If you think about that, every 20 yards, cutting a hole in the ice for the whales for five miles. They did this for five miles over eight days. It took them eight days to coax all three whales. In fact, they lost one of the whales. Two made it out to freedom. And those whales got to free open ocean. I love this illustration because it's a reminder to us of what encouragement looks like. It's not just going and saying, hey, you know, good luck. (laughs) Hope you do well. I'll pray for you. But it's really staying alongside that person over time until they get to freedom in Christ. Till they get to the place where they know that they are fully loved by God, have hope in their salvation, and can stand firm on their own two feet in faith. We just keep cutting our encouragement, our words of encouragement, our coming alongside them is just continuing to help them through the brokenness and breaking the ice for them to get to openness, open ocean to get to freedom. See, that's what an encourager does. An encourager comes alongside. In fact, the Holy Spirit... Greek, paraclete, para means to come alongside. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us, and you and I, as encouragers, are to come alongside others and stay with them till they get to that place where they can stand on their own two feet. So I hope that's happening for you in your life. I know this is a time where we all need that. So let's stand beside each other. Let's come alongside each other, encourage each other, build each other up today. Let's pray together.